2: Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500, 500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500, 500
3: Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 783. Uh, let's go over to the Nerdist Community Courtboard. I know how to say that. Nerdist Community Corkboard. Uh, first off, this person did not write his name, but he has a friend named Matt Parker who is releasing his second jazz album entitled Present Time Today. He says Matt and I have known each other for over 20 years, and I know he continues to put his heart and soul into the music he writes and performs. The best ways to describe Matt is that he is uh, Farley-esque in his demeanor. He's an extremely kind and caring family man who has struggled, as many do, in the music business. Last year was a big year for him as he was involved in the movie John Wick with Keanu Reeves. Uh, he's playing in the jazz band during the hotel bar scene. And you can pre-order his album now, mattparkermusic.com. Also, if you're going to be in New York City, don't miss the album release show on Thursday, February 11th at 7 p.m. at National Sawdust, which is 80 North 6th Street, Brooklyn, New York, 11249. Thank you for including the zip code man with no name. You're a good friend to Matt Parker person. Also, this is kind of a big announcement for a very long time. Listen, I know how I have always been about sports. I know. know, I was very dismissive of it, you know, because I it's it's not like I was good at it in school. And I was into all of the things that were not sports. I excelled at all of those things. So I developed a hatred for it because I don't understand it. And I used to shit on it all the time. And I shit on it a little bit in this podcast because they preempted uh, the X-Files with football. But that's a specific story that I think you would back me up on. But then when we started doing the podcast, I came to understand that there was a section of nerds who actually do appreciate sports. Fantasy sports, regular sports, stats, numbers... And so it broadened my horizons and, you know, I was being the same kind of elitist douchebag that sports people were to me when I was growing up. And that's no good to treat to be the same way. So a man named Jonah Carey, uh, who used to work for Grantland, comes on the podcast a while back. We become friends. He's incredibly smart, incredibly nerdy about life, uh, pop culture, and sports. And then uh, Grantland goes away. And not that long ago, I get a call from Jonah Carey saying... What do you think about Nerdist Sports? And I said, God damn it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just the right person hasn't come along to do it. You may be the right person, Jonah Carey. So, premiering January 29th, right here on Nerdist, the Jonah Carey podcast. Interviewing athletes, comedians, celebrities about sports and more. I may even pop up on one. It'll be every Friday right here on Nerdist, and maybe we'll get him to blog and actually cover some, cover some sports stuff from the kind of nerd-centric point of view, because Jonah excels at that. He's the real deal, and he's a good dude. He's a kind dude. He's not aggressive. I, just, I didn't want to get an aggressive sports dude in here. He's a cool, nerdy sports dude. So I welcome you, Jonah Carey, publicly and officially to the Nerdist Podcast Network starting Friday, January 29th. Thank you so much. I hope you all enjoy it. You will. Uh, Because Jonah's a terrific, terrific guy. This episode, David Duchovny promoting a show called X-Files, which you may have heard of, which is back... At least part of it was when it aired on Fox. Thanks, football after show. There shouldn't be after shows on television unless they're about shows that I'm hosting. (laughs) But no post-show sports talk if it's jutting into X-Files. Uh, but the regular time slot will be Mondays at 8 p.m. Uh, Pacific and Eastern Time on Fox. David Duchovny uh, was fantastic, as you will hear in this interview. We will get to it in a moment. You know, I do want to point this out, too. When Gillian Anderson was on, she drew a big vagina in the book because Clive Barker and a few other people drew dongs. And so Gillian Anderson drew a giant vagina in the book. David Duchovny signed that vagina today So uh, they were united in the Chewbacca The Nerdist Chewbacca Wookiee book That has all of the podcast signatures in it I am more delighted about that than you could possibly imagine And you should be too Here is the Nerdist Podcast Number 783 with David Duchovny Katie, the thing is out there Roll it
0: How you do it? Uh, well, I, I lucked out with all of my flight booking. I had the 925 flight last night, and it was like the second flight to leave JFK of oh the day. God. American just canceled all their flights, but Delta Delta really hung in I was there.
3: supposed to do shows there all weekend, and I was like, I don't think I should go. No, and then you, they
0: canceled them. You were right to not go. And then people were like, it
3: hasn't even started snowing
0: yet. And then apocalyptic it ice forest. I was... It, we were like the forecast changed a bunch, and we were in Midtown, and they said we we're gonna get maybe eight inches.
1: Was, you can say that's the way I drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, we it was nice. 27 he 27. requested a now. bowl of water,
3: <laughs> and that was it.
0: Uh, I'm I'm surprised you made it back this early. Actually, I thought it, I thought it would be like a day or two more. I was pretty stoked. It took 25 and a half minutes to get from 50th Street to JFK in a cab. Because no, no one was on, on the road. It was yeah. amazing. Everyone should have that.
3: Anyway, it was like 65 degrees here yesterday. I had to wear a light jacket. <laughs> it was really upsetting. It was really upsetting. It's cold for Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Did you just come from your star on the Walk of Fame ceremony? Yeah,
1: isn't that what one does?
3: That's I guess it's
1: sort of a daily routine. Yeah, yeah. You we go do it again tomorrow if you like. <laughs> yes, would you please
3: go get another star mm-hmm. and then come back? <laughs> yeah, get one for radio.
1: Yeah, like... <laughs> Well, this will be the the cause for that. I'll, yeah. We will do such an amazing <laughs>
3: yeah, this is have no choice. Yeah. They'll have to give me Fox Star will Omar. have no choice. They're <laughs> going to start giving out podcast stars. Exactly. I think on the Walk of Fame. And what
1: will that look? What will the insignia? An look iPod. Like? It'll an just iPod. be an old iPod.
3: It'll look like a microphone, but it'll kind of look like a dong. So <laughs> it'll be, and it won't be on Hollywood Boulevard. It'll no. be like you have to be like in an alley off Argyle it'll or be somewhere. Right off
1: Robertson in the ten. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> podcast walk of fame saddest thing
3: ever way over
1: you can't actually walk no by it. you know culver city's very over. nice like it's, very,
3: it's right near the courthouse across from the gas station it's like right there right in front of that mobile station right uh thank you for doing the podcast and congratulations on the star thank and congratulations you. on x files and it's listen i don't know if you're aware of this but they preempted like twenty minutes of the show last night with football.
1: Well, yeah, I mean football—it's you don't know when it's going to end exactly, so it's it's hard for them to. <laughs> no,
3: fuck to, to, that! It should have <laughs> been over. It should have been over. Do you, it's like you got to hear the breakdown. No, you don't have to hear the, <laughs> <laughs> hear the breakdown. The
1: internet is the breakdown. Well, actually, the the post game show was completely useless. I don't know if you <laughs> if you tuned in. They, no, I don't understand football. Yeah, well, the the post game show is, is is meaningless and and n- unnecessary. And then that happened after. If they had just cut the post game show, they probably could have started the show on time. But it
3: felt to me.
1: Uh Like you were insulted. I was
3: like, like, like. It felt to me like a douchey older jock brother's, like, "Hey, sorry, I taped twenty minutes over your nerd show. (laughs) Fuck you." You know, it's like it just felt so. Like, are you serious? Yeah. I feel like we waited like thirteen years. What the? (laughs) Why? Why? Why tonight?
1: Well, you didn't miss it, did you?
3: No, I watched it. Right. I watched it.
1: It's like uh John mcmahon who's uh, show running Aquarius show I'm doing now. He said. uh, I can't believe it. The, the, the football guys ruined my life in high school. <laughs> <laughs> <they're>, they, continue.
3: <laughs> they continue. Right. It was just like an unnecessary TV wedgie for everyone.
1: But,
3: <laughs> but it was great. And it was so uh, it, was, it was so great to see the uh, – because I guess in my mind I thought, oh, are they going to – what's the new opening sequence going to be? Are they going to update? And it's exactly the
1: same. It's exactly the same.
0: Well, 16 by 9.
1: It just... All right, Matt. You know.
0: (laughs) All right. Slightly different. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, he is one of those guys. I'm
1: I'm not talking to him.
0: (laughs) Join the club. (laughs) (laughs) It's like your chair just
1: kind of
3: swive the body language, just sort of iced him out a little bit.
1: He's Uh, back over uh, the corner there. He's got a conspiracy idea. (laughs) I know he does. I mean, it... Yeah, well, it saves money too to do the I mean it's it's a, it's a win-win, credit <laughs> sequence. It
3: is. It really is. We already have it. You might as well just tack it on. Why up. not?
1: And it's the kind of thing where an actor you hate shooting a credit sequence. You're like, fuck it. I don't want to shoot a I'm working hard. I'm doing yeah. the show. You want me to fucking go shoot a credit sequence now?
3: (laughs) Can't you just take footage from the show?
1: I got to fall into a handprint.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which they shot in real
1: time, (laughs) right? Like they dropped you. That was was a good day. That was a really good
4: day. Fall (laughs) into a
1: handprint. It's like I'm looking at my call sheet. Mulder falls in the hamper. What? Oh, it's the credit sequence. Oh, cool. Ah, damn All, right. It. All a, right,
3: I guess I'm gonna. That'll it.
1: be that'll be fantastic because everybody tunes in for a credit sequence.
3: <laughs> but you know what though? You in a way you do because you I, I probably like ten years ago, I, I was watching and I had watched the original run, but you know, FX was running X Files every night. So it was just one of those things like when I would get into bed, I would turn on X Files, and it was just and the credit sequence as 90s as it was, was so comforting to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And the, the this, everything about it was just so, it just felt so, so listen nice. Listen, when
0: I watch Cheers on Netflix, I don't <laughs> skip that. I let that
1: whole song play. Every time. Every time. I'm, I'm liking you more now. <laughs> so it's like, uh, you know, like Modern Family's credit sequence is five seconds long. I think what's good about a credit sequence is it's like the show starts, you, you, you get ready, mm-hmm. and then... The teaser ends. The credit sequence starts, and you know you can run and go take a piss or get some food. Right. And you want a good, healthy credit sequence that allows you, yeah, to go do those things.
3: Yeah, and you know if you, it's just that attention spans are so short now that networks are like, oh, we can't, let it no, for, like don't. we can't for like two seconds. Well, it's like when you
0: watch <laughs> The Simpsons and they do the short one or the long one. When they right. do the short one, you're like, this is packed with jokes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or you know, if you go back and
3: watch like 70s television they're like 3 minute credit sequences yeah. that explain the entire plot of the show
1: or yeah. you know if you, uh, you sit through movies now credit sequences are it's it's a it's a big question because when i when i when i directed a movie i i got some good advice from a director he said you know you've got you've got like 8 minutes to cat to grab them you know they're sitting in there their seats they came here to care about something they didn't they didn't pay money because they don't want to care right they they do (laughs) they came out because they want to get take a ride with a story but if you fuck around with like a eight minute credit sequence, <laughs> you're you're pushing it.
0: Then you got one minute to catch them. Yeah. Know? So it's like James Bond has earned it. They can do that. That's it.
1: Well, because people now enjoy that. And I think what you're saying is like the X Files credit sequence is something. It's just something in and of itself that people dig. I guess I don't. It's know. It's its own thing. It's right. kind of its own. It's like thing. when they get the music. Like they love the music. Oh, the music. I'm yeah. like, yeah, fuck the music. <laughs> yeah, the music made the show. Yes. Yes. I the show's in. a hit because of boop, 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 boop. That's why it's a hit, people. I tune That's in for that. exactly and right. And
0: beautiful shots of Vancouver.
1: Yes. <laughs> that made it a hit. Yes. <laughs> True. What was the episode True about? Stories. I
3: think he was falling
1: into a handprint. Yeah. I don't know. It was, it was fantastic. Just mesmerized. <laughs> and <Chilly>. that song... <laughs> <laughs> i have to see that song on tv every week i mean I wonder, I,
0: I wonder if chris carter did the gene roddenberry thing of like i'm gonna write lyrics to this so i get a share of this
1: no the, here's <laughs> the truth is chris went to mark snow who who is the composer who who did that theme and he said it has to be a spooky theme that you could whistle around a campfire it has to get in your head and it has to stay in there forever and they they fooled around with stuff and it actually became like whistling. Yeah. It was like that was the whistling, and so he was right. I mean, he whatever the assignment was was to make like an earworm. He did it, yeah. and then Mark Snow. I was going on the Rosie O'Donnell show, and that's a long time ago. Yeah, that's I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. There, there was go. there was a Rosie O'Donnell show.
0: That's when she was still in love with Tom Cruise.
1: <laughs> Poss- possibly, I I I wasn't aware of that relationship. But uh, so <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I, I don't know much of what's going on. So. uh, <laughs> I was, for some reason, Rosie really loved the music. It was something that we were going to talk about, the music. And so I called Mark Snow and I said, I'm going to go on the show and uh, Rosie loves the music. Are there lyrics to that song? Did you did you ever, were there lyrics to it? And he goes, yeah, it's, uh, these are the lyrics. He goes, and his name is Mark Snow. He goes, <laughs> lyrics to that tune are, The X-Files is a show. <laughs> With music by Mark Snow, the X Files. So those are those are the lyrics.
3: That's actually not far off from what I would sing when it would come on, which is just X Files, X Files, X Files, X Files, X Files. And somewhere online, someone has probably clipped that on YouTube, and it probably has like five million views. Like well, people. I, would just I, I think
1: it. you should, from now on, if you watch the show at home, you should sing along the Mark Snow, you know, top shelf lyrics.
3: <laughs> X Files mm. is a show. What is it? With music it by Mark Snow. No. Yeah, <laughs> I hope a
0: Korean karaoke company is listening right now. <laughs> I would love someone to carry
3: that song. It would just be like a 30-second karaoke, and then they're done.
0: Right. That's what you yeah. need
3: to do. That's what you need to do. Do you... Yeah. Uh, does it? Did it feel like... Is it one of those things where it just like, oh, this just felt like where we left off, and they just picked it right back up, but just, we just slid right back in?
1: Uh, yes and no. I think... Um, I think mostly yes. I, I think we, we kind of know what we're doing with that show. and um, But still, we'd been away a while, you know, since 2008. So it wasn't really as long as people think because they think it's from when the TV show ended, which was 13 years ago or yeah. almost 14. But really, it's only been like five or six mood, years. Yeah. So it's less weird, I think, because we had done that. Um, but still a little weird and a little creaky but you know every job that you do is creaky in the beginning it's like it's just like that so we want to rediscover it anyway for ourselves you know we want to make it we don't we don't want to just be doing something else so in a way it was nice to just make it fresh it was fresh because we've been away so long
3: yeah i mean 1992 93 all of a sudden you start working a bunch and you're on these two shows at the Mm. same time Mm which at the time was relatively unprecedented like that was a time when networks were like we own you yeah, yeah. you cannot do it's changed now but yeah. you cannot do anything else Right. but here you are on this showtime show and then and I always in the I'm talking about the Red Shoe Diaries yeah. So with it and I always invi- like after I got into because I watch both shows uh I always imagined that they were connected <laughs> and that the narrator was actually what Mulder did in his free time yeah. on Red Shoe Diaries yeah. he was like yeah I want to go solve some X-files but then I'm gonna go read some uh, sexy stories
1: where people uh,
3: have sex on <laughs> a pool because, table in a Mul- fog machine. Because Mulder store. was
1: sexless, so <laughs> to...
3: that was his. because yeah. Yeah. they're both both characters definitely felt like there was something missing in their lives, yeah. that, like
1: emotionally. Well, one had a dog, and <laughs> and the other had Scully. You know, so... <laughs> But what and I'm was, not saying which had which. Uh, no, you don't have to, no, say. You don't, have to that's, say. that'll be a spoiler.
3: No, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it for people. Yeah. But what was the? I mean, it, I imagine that show was probably just you shooting wraparounds. Like you just go in yeah, and shoot wraparounds. Yeah. It was then... so
1: much. It was. It was cool for me as as a as a young actor because um, we. And, and this is going to sound really just petty and venal, and I'm just going to say it anyway. Please. Because nobody listens to your show, right? No, 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 no. Okay. It's just not like this could actually get out. No, anyway. this is just for us. Yeah, just for us. Yeah. But I would get paid by the episode, yeah. as you do in television. and Even though I would do like, I could do five episodes of Red Shoe Diaries. I remember coming down from Vancouver, where we were shooting the first year of the X-Files, to, to do like five episodes of, of Red Shoe Diaries in one day on a Saturday and then fly back up to Vancouver on a Sunday. So I was just so pleased with myself. <laughs> and I remember calling it my Jack Nicholson day. Cause I was going to make like a, you know, as much money as Nicholson makes in an hour. You yeah. Know, I was going to make for those five episodes. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> putting it over on the man.
3: <laughs> well, that is it. I mean, when you are, when you, especially when you, when you're an actor and you don't know, because you could go another two years without working. And exactly, so exactly.
1: you you really do have to
3: hoard as much as you can because you just never know when that's going to go away. You don't
1: know. You don't know. You still don't know. I mean, so it's, uh, it's a freelance job. And, and uh, it's a lot like being an athlete. You know, you have a... You can have a very lucrative career, but it, it can also be very short. Yeah, you just don't know how long how long it lasts. How long were you
3: in X Files before you felt like, oh, you know, this actually, I think is... I could buy, a,
1: yeah, I could buy a car. Maybe <laughs> uh, so this is actually a thing that is, yeah, might be pro- around for a while. Uh, probably the second or third year, maybe at the end of the second year. Yeah maybe really solidly in the third year when we started to do like it it, it it occurred to me and I could see that the shows that we were doing were just big T V shows, that it wasn't just this this niche sci-fi show that we were actually we're kinda of making movies every week and it was like, wow, this is we're doing something different from other television that I saw. This was before cable really ascended and with really high quality stuff, you know. So for for a network to be putting out that kind of a Production every week was crazy.
3: Yeah. I mean, that was real. Well, back then, at that time, Fox really had to prove itself as a network. They yeah. were still relatively young and they right. really had they had Married with Children and they had yeah. The
1: Simpsons. Right. Exactly.
3: In the 80s and then like the 90s like they really kind of needed hit shows to, right. you know. Got that was right around the time where people stopped going, "Oh, I think it's not like a joke network. I think it's like a real network." <laughs> I think
1: they now. had they had Beverly Hills, right? Mm-hmm. They yeah. Had 90210, Hills, 90210 and they had Melrose Place, yeah. you know, and then they had Us and and then uh I don't know what's happened since, to be honest with you. But.
0: <laughs> Nothing else. Not a ton. They still have The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah. They still have X Files. <laughs> oh, yeah.
3: Well, you know, if it ain't broke.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: they just gotta bring back Married with Children now. I think they oh, have all I think Ed's busy. He's a little yeah. busy right yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if he'd be yeah. able to I yeah. mean it is, you know, when you when you look at performers, even just getting on one hit show. Because you also with Californication too, it's like yeah. even one hit show is crazy. We're like, wow, this is just this is you're in like the upper point one percent. Right. But then you follow it up with another hit show. That's then you kind of have to feel like, oh, maybe I kind of like. Do you feel like you kind of know what you're doing? Did you or did you just feel like I don't know? I'm just you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. I feel like I know what I'm doing. Um, I don't feel like I know how I'm choosing or if I'm choosing the right show to you know, like the next hit show. I don't know. I, I just kind of go with my gut. If I I can see myself doing something or I could see myself doing it for more than a year or whatever, something like that. Um, but no, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing in the professional sense. I know what I'm doing when I get on set. I know what I'm doing as an actor. Um, I know what I try to do. I know, I know I keep learning. I know I keep trying to get better. So, I kind of look at projects as how's that going to help me, uh, you know, do something new. How, how am I going to challenge myself in some, some weird way?
3: Because you were on California about as long as you were on the first run of the X Files. Yeah, right? yeah, about seven, seven, years. seven years. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it just it just doesn't. For some reason, X-Files feels like, that was on for years. It was like 20 Forever. years. Yeah. You know, yeah. Californication, oh, that I, a
1: good, no, that was seven years. I think later. because, uh, you know, X-Files just syndicates, right? So it, it just seems like it never went away. But Californication is tough to syndicate. It's kind of dirty, you know, so it's hard. It can't really play on uh, free TV. So I, you know, we used to talk about like at the end of the year they'd say, "Oh yeah, we, we got to go back and do the free the airplane version of the show." <laughs> I'm like, "This is going to take seven days to to reloop all to put all these." I can't say I gotta say, "Mother Trucker," every day, "Mother Trucker." You right. know, it's like it just didn't make sense, and they'd have to recut "Sex in the City" syndicates. But I don't think "California occasion will ever play on free television
3: i mean there was <clears throat> there was definitely yeah well there was definitely
1: more sex yeah to I, cut I don't, around I don't it. see how it could it would be like a very short version <laughs> uh, here's a five minute california this is about a writer who just has a bad day <laughs> yeah like, there's no and he's drunk and he's passed out <laughs> he never gets laid that was a great show that was fun <laughs> i love that evan Hamlet. did you develop that show no but no. you were a producer on it yeah yeah well they came to me with the uh project and uh, with the the script And Tom Kapanos had written, he was trying to do a show. And he had written this uh, spec movie script, or like 70 pages of it. And it was his wife who said, you know, because Showtime wanted to work with Tom. And and she said, why don't you give him that spec script about that writer? You know. And so he did. And they said, yeah, we'd love to do this as a series. So he turned it into a pilot. I got the pilot. And... It was right around the time I was coming off The X-Files a couple of years earlier. And I was kind of frustrated that there was no no comedies that I was seeing that I could do. You know, there was, like, no comedies that I could find to do in movies. I did Evolution. that did okay. But I couldn't really find... Even that, I was not kind of a straight man. I really couldn't find my kind of comedy, like, what I wanted to do. And California occasion came closest to that, you know, because it was kind of... It harkened back to, like, the 70s and movies like shampoo or uh, you know Harold and Maud kind of adult humor yeah very ironic very dark and i thought yeah i can do that way better they're not going to ask me to do night at the museum they're not going to ask me to do dumb and dumber even though i wanted to you know i wanted to be asked but then it became clear to me that just i didn't have the persona or the look or whatever it wasn't going that wasn't going to come my way but i wanted to do comedy and so it was, un, it was back on TV. That wasn't necessarily something I wanted to do, but I thought, okay, this is the, at least this is the kind of comedy I want to do. I don't care where it's going to be. We'll do it on TV again. I'll come back to TV and do it that way. So,
3: I mean, that's so strange. It's so funny to hear how... I mean, do you feel like you got pigeonholed in some ways? Because your, your appearances on Larry Sanders were pretty epic. And so I think from that, it's like, oh, well, clearly this guy can I, do comedy. I, I think
1: it's, it's, it's not so much that I can't do comedy. It's more like the kind of comedies that get done... Now the kind of comedies that are popular now the tone of the comedy, especially at that time, it was more like uh, it was more like Jim Carrey stuff and Ben Stiller stuff, which I love. But it's not it's it's not me, and it's it's not what I do, and I, it's not what I can do. I couldn't even do it. So it wasn't the prevailing theatrical movie release comedy that was happening. I can't think of a comedy that maybe. I could have been in in that Paul time. Paul Blart Mallcop. Yeah, so, <laughs> I don't see me as Paul Blart Mallcop. No, David, think
3: about
0: it.
1: <laughs> well, I I, segue? I I like you as a producer. <laughs> I've written the hoverboard.
3: You could be Randy Blart, his brother, his <laughs> much more intense brother. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, so right? you
1: see where I'm going. So yeah. So California Cajun came I was like, okay, this is a he's like a man among men. You know he. he I I can see it. It felt like shampoo to me. It felt like the '70s. So, you know, I know. I we. I'm sure we aired on the side of uh, too much from time to time. But like the heart of the show was something that I was attracted to. Was was that funny guy, funnyish guy in that situation? Um, That was for me.
3: Who was, you know, I mean. I'm sure part of the pitch was like, and every lady wants to hop in the sack with him. Like that's an interesting idea, but he's deeply flawed. Like that character well, is a, he, well, he has
1: serious problems. Well, Tom, I, I when I got the script, I was like, okay, I love the pilot. It was very funny, but what's the show? I mean, is the show is, is the show just sex? Then, because I'm not interested in that. It's like, is what's the comedy? What's the what's what's leading us on? And he said, "It's like it's the relationship, it's the family." He's like, "What if you got it right the first time and then screwed it up? And how do you get it back? How do you get back to happily ever after with the person that you're supposed to be with?" You know. And I was like, "Okay, all right, I'll I'll go along for that ride. Let's see where that goes." So that was kind of my intro into the world of the show. And then um, you know, the other shenanigans just kind (laughs) of you know that's what people focus on because sex sells. Whatever sex is shiny. You know, people, they're like dogs. You know, their ears, they they hear sex, and they go, yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of what draws people. And, you know, Showtime and networks, they count on that with tits and ass, you know, and it, it gets people to watch. But for me, and I truly believe this, the show was always that, the heart of it was this family relationship, this relationship between Hank and Karen, between Hank and his daughter, between Hank and his agent, even, a friendship. And that was really what made for me the foundation of the show and the reality of the show that that i could dig into and that was the show that i was wanting to make do
3: you think there's a good cautionary tale in there about you know midlife crisis dudes in their late 30s getting into their 40s of like trying to nah nah okay
1: <laughs> nah. there's 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 no cautionary tale in there because it, it always worked out for him i i people talk, come up to me on the street and say hey dude i am hack and i'm like good luck you know so the, <laughs> because you're you're not going to be able to smoke and drink and fuck around like that as and and get away with it because that's a television show
3: it's not real yeah it's not yeah. real
1: it's not gonna end well buddy yeah it's really not gonna end. neither well. neither one of those is <laughs> neither one
3: of those is it's not real right. Right. I, well but that's the you know i think that's sort of the thing though is i we i think people our our, our generation and of course the next generation you know we're granted this Extended adolescence that our parents didn't get. Right. You know, our parents were adults by the time, by the time S- they were, they yeah, were seven. Yeah, by the time they were seven, they were in, working in a factory they in and they the army. had three kids. They were in the army. They were in the army and they lived on food stamps. <laughs> yeah. But they, uh, but you know, like when my parents were like 25. They were already adults and they, they, and had, now, ba- they had babies, young. And they had babies and now 25 is like, oh, you're a kid. You don't have to do anything for a long time. And it feels like. <laughs>
1: It is pretty fascinating, you know, the the concept of childhood is relatively uh recent in in human history, you know, b- because kids even go back beyond the previous generation, kids from the industrial revolution on, they had to go to work at 8 or 9, they had to go to the factory. There was no childhood. So the the concept of childhood it does keep expanding, but it's relatively new. We take it for granted. But um it's kind of a new development in human history that there's this thing, this inviolate kind of beautiful space that's supposed to be created for children in which they have this kind of blissful innocence. Yeah. And it's a nice idea, I think, but not past 19 or 20. <laughs>
3: I just hope... Because I just remember being younger and I, and I would see dudes who are the age I am now and I'd be like, what are you doing? Right. Stop acting like that. You know, like, just be more appropriate. But now... Now I'm this age and I don't feel I don't feel like I need to really hunker down. so I don't know if I'm making, you know, good choices or bad choices. I don't know. It's weird when you become that age.
1: I don't think yeah, it's hard to know. What, you know, I I think you just have to make choices from some sense of integrity, you know, some sense of honor and integrity somewhere, somewhere inside you that you you know, it's something that you make up, your own moral code or whatever it is, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're making some good choices. Uh,
3: There's some decent choice. There have been some good choices. You're in a
1: nice room. You this know, is a great
3: in... brick room yeah. <laughs> with uh, a, a nice yeah. uh, carpet that we put think, down I to think absorb you're doing the all sound. Right. You're doing all right. Everything's yeah, okay. I just mean like you always feel like yourself. You always feel like the same.
1: Same age. Yeah. You
3: always feel like the same age. Am I um, – uh my ex-girlfriend had a grandmother who lived well into her 90s and, and she would say she would say things that were terrifying Where she would go you know in my head i still feel like the same person i always was but i look in the mirror and i don't recognize this person my and father ha- would say that to
1: me yeah said the exact same thing he said when i pass the mirror i expect to see a 16 year old does that did that freak you out or were you like yeah that's just what happens well, when it before it's happened to you, yeah, you're like, yeah, <laughs> deal with it. Shut <laughs> up, old man. Yeah, come on, so you're old. I got a lot of boners to deal have with. Have fun. Get them <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Yeah. no, I think I think at some point you 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 have an image of yourself physically, I guess, or even spiritually, mentally, and you know, but time marches on, so yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Our
3: her. generation's much more <laughs> health conscious, though, yeah. than the, like the previous generation yeah. didn't really. They sort of lived like madmen f- through most of their lives, but I right. think now people are more like, yeah, maybe don't drink everything and eat everything, and maybe but, exercise a little bit and plan ahead.
1: Yeah, my mother was pretty much on the vanguard. She, we had yogurt for dessert. Oh wow! Yeah, it was like yogurt. <laughs> <sighs> but she was a, she was an early health food person, Meg McCovney.
3: I mean, your yeah, your mother was Scottish, right? She is Scottish. She is yeah. Scottish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she renounced.
0: <laughs> they don't take that away, Chris.
1: <laughs> well, they almost seceded from the European. There was a from, second from, where it from, almost from happened, Great Britain.
3: Yeah. yeah, but then no. Yeah. So she's actually she's actually from Scotland.
1: You know, she would say that, and it's weird. She is actually Scottish, but oddly, her parents came. And this is true. Uh, this shows the the economic savvy of my forebears. They they came from a uh, a, ra- a post war ravaged uh, no no post World War One ravaged uh, Great Britain and came to America for the depression. <laughs> <laughs> Had three children and then moved back right as the depression was lifting in America to go enjoy it again. In Great Britain.
3: They just felt <laughs> comfortable that way.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my mother, of all people, who really identifies herself as a Scottish, was born in Queens, New York. Oh, wow. Was actually born in Queens. But when she was two or three, they went back to Scotland. And then, she, and then your dad was... Then they met in Europe after World War II. They met in Rome or Paris. I can't remember which one. They fell in love and married and moved back to the States with my dad, who was from Brooklyn. Oh, nice. Yeah, so, we, so you grew, I, up grew up in New York. in New York, yeah.
3: I, I didn't know this about you, and I I, uh, I did a little research. You have a master's degree, and you almost have a Ph.D. Mm-hmm. Did, What's holding
1: it back? <laughs> 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 uh, it's a little thing called a dissertation. <laughs> it's a little book-length paper called a dissertation. I was in a Ph.D. program uh I'm not sure if I'm awarded a master's. I, I do have a master's. I don't know if I ever got awarded it because I was in a PhD program where they don't expect you to quit. They expect you to get a PhD, so they wouldn't award you a master's along the way. Mm. Um, so I did, I did all my work except for the paper, except for the the dissertation. So I did my master's work and I did my orals and I, did, I taught my courses, and I didn't write the paper.
3: Now this was at Yale, correct? That was at Yale. So did you ever? does it ever sit in the back of your head and go, God, you know, maybe I should just take like six months and just bang it out and get the fucking PhD and be Dr. Duchovny?
1: Yeah, I think about that all the time, but I think it would, it, it, six months is, is, is not enough. Uh, I don't know if I could do it in six months. I'm also not sure if there's a statute of limitations on my schoolwork. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. I haven't really uh, ever investigated that. I've been waiting for the honorary degree. <laughs> I will take that. I, will, I mean, at this point, I'll take a Doctor of Letters, or whatever they give you when they give you an honorary degree.
3: And will you feel like will the completionist part of your brain be satisfied at the point? Okay, good. I got it. I don't. No, don't, no, no. no
1: it's all bullshit. But um, you know, if it had been, it really would have taken another year of my life at that time, and I just didn't. I just knew that I didn't want to be a professor, and I I felt like I was getting old, not getting old, but getting older, and and there were other things that I wanted to do, and I'd been in school my entire life at that point, and I was 25 or 26, and I just thought, you know, I keep on doing these things that are taking me down this road, and and I want to get off this road, you know, so that was... I just kind of jumped. I never even told anybody that I wasn't going to write it. I mean,
3: <laughs> you just stopped showing up one day.
1: I hope that my professors don't listen to your podcast. Because
3: no, it's just for us.
1: I think that they're probably expecting me to show up again at any moment. There's
3: some poor professor who can't die <laughs> because he's like, "Oh, he's going to come in." I don't know why I
1: made why it. Is weird an European. I don't know.
3: I just that was so because, you know why? Do you want to know why? Yeah. I will I will give you the matrix code behind my thought mm-hmm. because I know that your PhD was going to to have something to do with poetry. Mm. So I assumed this was like a European professor. No. Okay.
1: It was it was English literature. So no, he didn't have an accent.
3: Why are you racist <laughs> against me, David Duchovny? <laughs> I am not from here. I just be, became that something was totally different. Totally a totally different accent. Yeah. yeah, well, he's very versatile this guy. professor. You yeah. He started Italian D- and now you. Yeah, hey, what's the problem? <laughs> oh, no, that's just say. racist. No, you're not no racist actually has that accent. <laughs> no, fuck you. <laughs> uh but it is. I mean, when what do you have to like? What's what does a three hundred page dissertation about poetry have to be like? What do you yeah. what do you have to express in a PhD? And does it have to be in
0: rhyming couplet? <laughs> oh my God! You're living in
1: uh, No, doesn't have to rhyme. <laughs> uh, it has to basically be a book of criticism. And I, in order to sit my orals, which was a nerve wracking experience, it's basically like sitting in front of a tribunal of experts on their particular field, they know everything. And you are, you are coming in, there's six to eight of them, and you're responsible for, I think, 10 of 13 possible subjects. For instance, Shakespeare, 19th century novel, mm. uh, 20th century American poetry. So there are these big areas that you can be responsible for. I remember I didn't want Chaucer, so that was one I couldn't do. I didn't want to do medieval poetry. It was two. So I added like 10 out of the next 11 I had to be responsible for. And this guy is sitting, who's going to ask me questions, is that's his field. Like (laughs) Each of these guys is a total expert in a field that I'm trying to front my way through in this 90 minute conversation oral examination in front of these Yale professors that I would have studied all semester for while I'm teaching there I'm just I'm just filling in all the gaps in my education I'm I'm reading everything that I didn't read in these areas that I'm going to be tested on because the people that are testing me know everything yeah and they're going to catch me out they can if they want you can't bullshit your way through that well no they tell you you know they tell you like the gamesmanship is um when you start talking do not stop talking make them stop make them stop you because it's a time thing it's like 90 minutes so if you you filibuster <laughs> basically good question but shakespeare you know because i know shakespeare so i'm gonna just go i, I was uh, let me talk for 45 minutes no hands till the end I'll are it. Down. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. so there was some gamesmanship involved in it um but i i remember making one huge mistake that i didn't know until later till maybe a year later i didn't figure it out but they didn't they didn't call me on it um but it's totally nerve-wracking because you go in knowing they could kill you if they wanted to sure you know they don't really i mean it, it's not in their best interest i mean unless you're a real idiot and you're just not ready
3: do you remember the mistake
1: yeah what was yeah. it i remember i was talking about T.S. Eliot's um, plays, of all things, which I don't really know. And I didn't know then. (laughs) But I was spinning some kind of baloney about petrol. Petrol being the English word for gasoline, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I was talking about petrol and energy and something and this and that. And then later on, I found out that petrol is a bird, it's a type of bird. <laughs> Which is British
3: for a lady. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I was completely, it was, it was completely wrong. And they
3: didn't doing. call you on it.
1: No, they didn't. They might not have even, he might not have even been aware of that particular passage that I was referring to. But um, I just—I remember when I found out it was like one of those like white hot sweats that you oh, get yeah, when yeah, you yeah. realize I said the wrong thing to the wrong person.
3: I mean, once you've done that, I would imagine the auditioning process is probably not as grueling once you've, once you've had that kind of a trip. It's trial. a
1: different animal, you know, so it is, it is grueling. I haven't had to audition in so long. I don't really remember, but, but auditioning is, is grueling, you know. Uh, that's a different thing because, you know, I used to think, I used to go in thinking they wanted to hate me because I guess that's my nature. You know, it's like, <laughs> well, I was like, they probably want to hate me. Um, and then when I finally got on the other side of it, when I was directing, I wanted to love everybody that came in because I wanted to cast them. Mm -hmm. I wanted my job to be done. I wanted to find the guy or the girl. I wanted to find them. And, uh, so that really turned me around when I directed. I was like, no, it's actually, they want you to be great because they don't want to keep looking. Right, you know. Whereas I used to go and thinking, "Oh, I'm wasting their time." And actors would come in and read for me, and they would be so apologetic and self defeating, and they'd be like, "Oh, this is going to be really bad. I didn't really get this to like nine o'clock last <laughs> night, and I, I have a stomachache anyway." So let's should we you want you want to even do it? Should we do it?
4: <laughs> should I leave? You <laughs> don't want me to I could go.
1: And I would sit there and I go, "You worked on it. You, you, you took an hour to get here. You took the subway." You got to take an hour to take the subway back. You know, like, honor yourself and, like, uh, let's, you know, you put the time in, so respect yourself and don't don't come in telling me you suck, you know?
3: Yeah. Yeah, it is the, uh, it's... it.
1: But the- I understand it from my own point of view. I used to walk in like that, too, like, oh, this is going to be bad. <laughs> Guys, prepare to watch what this. What was the X-Files audition? Um, That would have been, like, a number of different auditions. One was for Randy Stone, who's, who passed away. He was a great casting director and, uh, for him and Chris. And then after that, uh, they decided to bring me to the network and then you have to pass the network. And that's really the nerve wracking one when you have to have your network audition as an actor going for a television show. Cause it's basically a room like this that does not feel like a stage or anything at all. Yeah. And it's, as many people as this in a small room like this and you're, you're acting the scene. And they... I really did feel like they wanted to hate me.
3: <laughs> well, but the... Yeah, but the, net, the network testing process is so shitty and brutal. And I always thought it's probably easier with a drama because when you're testing for a sitcom, there are supposed to be laughs. They're not laughing. And it's the coldest room. So if you're already doing a scene that doesn't need laughs, I I always thought, oh, well, that's got to be way easier because you're not expecting anything from them.
1: Well, I think in general that that's what makes drama easier than comedy because comedy, it doesn't work if nobody's laughing. It doesn't matter how good you were. Right. Nobody laughed. (laughs) Uh, So comedy is is a different animal and and a tricky one and one that's really interesting. But... uh, the dry- yeah i don't know i remember it was it, the rooms just feel like there's no air in them you know and and it's it is a brutal process and has nothing to do with with acting really that's the that's the weird thing is the, all these hoops are set up and in a way have nothing to do with what you're going to do when you show up and do your work so you'd think that they'd find a way to do it so that you'd really get the best people for the job <laughs> but that's, no. that's not the way it goes
3: no and especially now there's an auditioning like now is probably terrible if you're testing because now people have their phones to rifle and You're like, not even looking up. Like it used to no. just be cold. Now it's cold and you're not even paying attention.
1: Right. I remember I had an audition for a uh, a commercial early on, and this was in New York, so that's when I was starting. And it was for a uh, – might have been for a soda. It wasn't a beer, but I think it was a soda. And y- you had to dance. They wanted to see you <laughs> dance. And I remember there was like a, like a, a rug, you know, like a rug you could hear. Yeah. <laughs> and they had a boombox, but the boombox was was not loud. You know, It was like, pum, 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 pum. and I was in a bathing suit, and cause, cause, <laughs> it's middle of winter, New York, going for a soda commercial on the beach that they're going to shoot somewhere beautiful. And I go, and you know, you had to bring a bathing suit, so I'm in a bathing suit. And I remember I'm like dancing, and I'm having many, many thoughts. (laughs) One of them is, you left Yale for this. (laughs) And the other is, what's that sound? Those are my thighs. (laughs) I can actually hear my thighs as I'm dancing. (laughs) It's that quiet in here. And they're just analyzing
3: you the whole time.
1: It's that quiet. The music is so soft that I can actually hear my feet on the rug and – oh, that's my thighs too. Oh,
3: yeah. Commercial (laughs) auditions I think are every – I think they're the culmination of every nightmare that people have about having to get up in front of people and speak. Right. Those are commercial auditions where you have to do
1: the most... Because they're good. like, be, just be goofy.
3: Yeah, just have fun with it. <laughs> have just fun. have fun. Well, what am I supposed to do? I'm going to turn the camera on. You just have fun. Like, the casting associate doesn't give two fucks about whatever's happening. He just needs to cycle you through as quickly as possible.
1: Just have fun with it is the worst direction of all fun.
3: There's a room full of other dudes out there in bathing suits. We're going to come We're in and do... We're having fun. Yeah. They're...
1: You know what I hear when somebody says, just have fun? I hear... You don't look like you're having any fun.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I hear Listen, this is awful, so you need <laughs> yeah. to just get through it somehow. Right. So just have fun. <laughs> just have fun with it. Make this bearable for one of us. <laughs> <laughs> I could never I could never get around my own self-critic to effectively audition for commercials because I always just felt like I, this is dumb. I'm dumb at it. There are big people who are well. They at would this.
1: make you. They would want you to improvise. You know, a lot at those commercial auditions, right? Yeah. And, and it. Had, I don't think it had, a, it had very little to do with what the commercial was actually going to be. I think ultimately, I never saw a commercial where guys were dancing in their bathing suits.
3: <laughs> it was a commercial for H&R Block. they had nothing to do with anything exactly the guy just
0: I never saw that it. commercial yeah. come to think it of it just, it was actually just set up by a wealthy horny socialite
1: well that uh, sadly I believe that happens you know with women I do believe that, that there's a certain amount of producers out there that that like to hold auditions for for movies that are never going to happen
3: yeah yeah and they just bring in that yeah, yeah. yeah it, it, it's a creepy creepy business that <laughs> it's I, a creepy business <laughs> i mean at best it's a creepy business yeah. at best you feel like oh, i'm really exposing myself in a weird way and it's odd then the dark side of that is just infinitely is
1: infinitely worse well i guess i i should feel lucky that when i was doing these things it was before everything was of record oh my you god know? yeah you know i'm sure whatever tape there is of me. Dancing around in that studio has long been lost or erased, or
3: you know, or it would have been up if somewhere. I hope so. Yeah,
1: <laughs> uh, but these days, Jesus, everything lasts forever. It's awful.
3: Yeah, it's a strange. I mean, having been on both sides of the social media explosion, having having had a career on both sides of it, it must it must have started to seem so odd when that happened. You're like, wow! Everyone's talking about a lot of weird stuff. Like it, you used to kind of be able to exist somewhat in a bubble, mm-hmm. and it doesn't. It's not really like that anymore.
1: No, I remember. Remember very distinctly walking down the street in New York. I don't know how many years ago it's got to be at least ten or twelve. And I was like, hmm. everybody's really proud of their phones. They're all showing me their phones. <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't know there was cameras in the phones. Like. Yeah, it's weird. I was wondering, everybody's like, hey, look, I got a phone. Like, nah, that's a good-looking phone. A lot of people are proud of their phones. It's very interesting. They were just capturing your image. The entire
3: world, I mean, it used to just be the tabloids, and now the entire world has become a tabloid because everyone wants to dissect and talk about everything, and there's no... There's no... And the whole
1: relationship to photography has changed, too. Oh, sure. Um Used to ask somebody if you could take their picture. You know, it was like an invasion, and it is. But there was an etiquette about it. Yeah, like, and not just not just somebody that's famous, but like if you liked the way a stranger looked, or you liked their house, or whatever, you would you would. This is an intimate thing. I'm asking, can I take a picture of your things or you? But no. I did
0: an architecture project in school, and we, we wanted to take a picture of certain houses, like certain architectural styles. Right, and it was. I, I'd knock on the door and ask, right, "Can yeah. I take a picture?" But like now, I feel like fuck it. <laughs> you, just, you just take
3: like burst shoot, just take ten photos, put it on Instagram. Can you get back in the
0: house. My shot, sir, please.
3: <laughs> this is a private moment. Try to get having... a Victorian
0: without you in it. <laughs> Come on, asshole. <laughs> it's a nice really... porch. Get off it. I hadn't really thought about that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I never really thought about that before but yeah because there used to be so much of a production behind stand over there mm, when right. it's like
0: okay everyone stands now right. it's just because la, 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 right. you don't have to yeah but it was like right. literally me walking around the neighborhood like knock and knock on the right. door and I'd say hey I'm taking it okay go ahead yeah not now. now fuck it yeah everyone everyone feels
3: like they have a right to everything all information at all times everyone has a right to it
1: well mm. and I guess they do you know everybody has a right to everything I guess that's true but I feel like that's the Mulder in you talking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I, I guess because I grew up in a different time, I I kind of uh, you know I yearn for that, I yearn for that sense a, a little more. And I don't mean distance, just as a person whose whose face is known. I just mean d- distance. Period. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh,
3: I, so, Shandling spoke at your thing, right? Yeah. How'd he do? Did he kill?
1: Yeah, he always does. He's <laughs> he's uh, there's nobody funnier. And Gary Shanley. He's so funny. You know,
3: I've met him twice, mm-hmm. both times, oddly crusty. And I felt like it. You got to crack through it. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. There are defense shields. It. I have not successfully cracked. <laughs> I met him at, <laughs> Sarah Silverman at a party last year yeah. and he was there and, and uh, someone introduced me to him and he goes, it's Chris. And he's like, what do you do? And I go, oh, I'm a comedian. I'm a stand-up. I host a couple. And he goes, I got it. And then he walked away. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you asked me. What? Yeah. A, I didn't. I'm not trying to pitch you anything. You asked Hilarious. me. It's a good story. <laughs> I got it is good. <laughs> I, got it, yeah. I, got it. I literally good. said like four words. I'm it. a stand-up, and a, I got it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that's pretty nice great. To, nice to see you. Did you guys meet because of the Larry Sanders Show?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I really wanted to be on the show. That was. Uh, it was, it was, it was, It began when I was doing the X-Files and I used to get the VHS tapes of it sent to me up in Canada cause I was obsessed with it and I just, I, it was I thought, groundbreaking. I thought this guy was amazing. Um, it was, I mean, you, you can trace like, you can trace cable television's ascendance to that show. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. that's, that's the first show that is doing television in a way where people go, Oh shit. This is better than anything out there. This is more real. This is funnier. This is smarter. Yeah. And I think people forget that, you know, because Cable was smaller back then. Didn't have the numbers or the awards. But it had the freedom. It still does in a way. But, like, you know, Gary used to get nominated for Cable Ace Awards. (laughs) You know, not Emmys. (laughs) When now, he'd be winning all the Emmys. Oh, absolutely. But but then, you know, Cable Ace. And maybe towards the end of the run, Emmys finally started to...
0: Yeah, Tambor's got enough.
1: Yeah, there we go. <laughs> started to acknowledge the show, but started to acknowledge cable. I would say mostly because of
3: of Sanders. I mean, there are so many things that are that people listening have not seen. I assume everyone's seen the Larry Sanders show. But if you haven't, you should watch it so you can see how many things are derivative of. And like people still pitch shows and they're like, "Well, it's kind of a Larry Sanders right. take." Right. And, and I don't even. And I think some of the times people pitching haven't even seen the Larry Sanders show. Right. They just <laughs> they just know it's like show within a show, docy style comedy.
1: Right. But also just the idea of the celebrity cameo, which yeah. is pervasive. Uh, I like to think, you know, Gary and I did the man crush thing early. You know? <laughs> now everything's a man crush. Mm-hmm. Um, inside show business, that kind of stuff. But the thing about Sanders is it, it's just so, so human. You know, Gary was so painstakingly real, you know, in the way he ran that show. And there were, there's no cheap jokes, you know, there's great jokes, but none of and they all come from character, you know, it wasn't like sitcom set up joke, set up joke, set up joke, it was like the jokes arose from the character, not, not the jokes, yeah, and, um, so I was just thinking, well, this is, I've never seen a show like this, and I just, I just had, had my agent manager call and say, you know, they have an interest in, in having me d- play a guy named me, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I got the call that I could go do it, and they sent me a script, and I was like, okay, that's great, and and um, I just met Gary to work with him. I he didn't had no clue who I was. It was, it was certainly was not his hire, mm-hmm. you know. He didn't know, and um, and I just told the story today because after he he spoke shortly about me i had to speak about me at this uh walk of fame thing and and uh i did um did a scene with gary and it's it's all very casual like two cameras and they're both kind of swinging around like documentary style and it wasn't the way i was used to working at all i was used to working much more cinematic like x-files like shooting a movie you know traditional and it was quick and i didn't know so much was going around and and i did a take a couple takes gary turns and he looked at me and he goes how old are you <laughs> <laughs> and i said i'm 33 he goes what took you so long you know and i was like oh all right that's really cool yeah it was like the weirdest compliment and the best compliment uh coming from him and after that it's uh, very
3: hard to get a compliment out of that guy well, mostly it's just i get it <laughs> yeah
1: yeah so um you know, and I said, and after I told that story today, uh, Gary said to me, "I was going to tell that story," and I said, "Well, I'm glad you didn't, because that would have sucked. <laughs> <laughs> then I would have I nothing to say. You could talk about T. S. Eliot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> petrol is a bird <laughs> and gasoline.
0: Here's your Ph.D.
3: Light is
0: you. energy.
1: <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> kind, that's kind of shit I was saying. Yeah,
3: of course, <laughs> I had a good day. I got my star on the Walk of Fame and a Ph.D. It's right. like typical, yeah. you know, just typical. Los Los Angeles right. Day. Mm-hmm. So what now? Like now, are you are you still are you off from Aquarius? Or are you off? No, I'm from, shooting Aquarius right shooting now. You're shooting Aquarius right now. Yeah. And when? How quickly did X Files come together? How did this iteration of X Files come together? Because I, I like,
1: the like the word it, iteration. I use that too. Yeah. I like iteration. Well, that's
3: what it is. Like it's just
1: yeah. This. I'm it. not sure what it means, but I like it. <laughs> mm-hmm. This in car This version of. I, this. Prefer, I really don't like reboot. It's no, not a it's reboot not a at reboot. all. I just don't like that word. Well, you
0: know, doesn't it count. It's a reboot. You guys are all in it. Like
3: it's, You know, honestly, that, your a, reboot... It, can
1: you explain to me what a reboot a is? A reboot
3: would be if they recast the show yes. and they change the graphics and they, you know...
0: But
1: literally, what does it mean to reboot?
0: It means to start something over, an old problem. No, on
3: over. a
1: computer? On a computer, you, it, you well,
3: start it over. Like, yeah. you, you you turn it off and turn it on again. Huh. You're rebooting, you're power cycling, you're starting it over, you're, you're freshening. You know, because when you reboot your machine... <laughs> it closes down all the processes that you don't need and it okay. just starts it fresh. Right, so it's
1: not a reboot. No.
3: It's not a reboot at all. To me, it felt like, oh, this is just... an X-Files, like,
0: they just picked up, you know, like... You got Mitch Pelegi, it's not a reboot. Some, 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 some
1: t- <laughs> you get mad at me, it's Pelegi.
0: Oh, no, damn it.
3: <laughs> you know, I always say, like, you know, if you... If you're going to lose your hair, do it young because you will look the same age for, Uh like, 50 years. That's
1: what my mother always said. (laughs) She said, David, if you're going to lose your hair, like, it's a choice. (laughs) I was going to do it this weekend. Should I not do
3: it? But Mitch, Mitch still looks, you know... Like, he just had a little bit of beard, but he looks pretty much the he's same. He's a
1: handsome, bald man. He's
3: he a is. very handsome man. He's a very handsome man. But it didn't, to me, it just felt like, ah, a little bit of time had passed, but it's basically like they've, they've picked it up. Right. And seeing Joel McHale as a conservative pundit is hilarious to I me. I know, well, right? that's accurate. That's
0: <laughs> <it>. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, you're making a serious face. Huh? <laughs> I just hope you can hear that through the microphone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, how do you how do you do that? Irony is dangerous Very dangerous <laughs> So,
3: but I think The thing that was so great about Having it come back Is that it really felt like By the fans, for the fans So many of our friends You know, like Kumail Who does X-Files Files And then hearing that you guys On a break when he was shooting Which I know was the Literally probably the greatest moment of his life And, you know, he's on Probably the best great comedy show. on television great right show. now <laughs> And he's a brilliant stand-up, but I know doing that. I was so excited for him to get to do that. And then you guys, like in the middle of the night, go into a tent or a trailer and That's just what, pa- and then like podcast. It was a for tent like, for like twenty it was minutes. Was not a
1: trailer. Twenty minutes or thirty minutes. Yeah, yeah. we were just like he's like, can I, can I, can I, can I record this? I'm like, yeah, let's just we were just, let's talk about those shows that we hate. You know, let's talk about all the X Files that we don't like. So we started doing. That. I don't, I didn't hear the podcast, and I hope we weren't too. Dismissive of some of the shows that we didn't like, but that's amazing. we had a we had a fun time, and he's a he's a great guy, and um, I love their show. I, I love Mike Judge, and I love that show.
3: Do you, I didn't I got to listen to it now? If you guys are going through episodes, like oh,
1: but he might have like gone over that part and just used later on when we maybe talked about stuff that we did like.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I think that's what's so
3: funny when you're on a when you're on a show that becomes like a a force in fandom, and. People see the show as very linear, but you as the performer, it's just, I would imagine it's like you're living in your short-term memory, because you have yeah. to get through shit tons of pages every right. day, right. and then next episode, next episode, so people are like, what happened in episode? And you're like, I don't, did we do that? I don't yeah. even know. Did yeah. you watch the show?
1: Mm, at first, I did. I used to watch it. Um, first few years, probably, I watched it. Uh, and then not as religiously after that, but... um I, I forget, you forget. You forget a fair amount. I remember strange things. You know, it's like life. Like, why do I remember getting a popsicle with my uncle when I was eight, and I don't remember, you know, my fifth birthday party? Right. You know, like, shit that they really made an effort to make special <laughs> for me. <laughs> and I remember this crap moment. Something is encoded in there that we, as humans, we don't know why. We don't know why we remember that. So making shows a little like that. It's like. No, I don't remember that great episode. I remember, like, what I had for lunch that day when we were shooting that episode. Yeah, lunch was really good that day. Yeah, you're welcome, fans. I hope you enjoy. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this look into the process. It
3: was a flank steak. We yeah. ate it out of a truck. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then I went home and I fell asleep. And it was <laughs> it was a, it was a good day.
3: I mean, when you're on a, when you're on a show and you know, like, this is going for a while. I should be happy. I should be thankful. This is going on. But then at a certain point, particularly like like seven years is a long time to do a show. And then you start feeling like I kind of want to explore other things. I want to explore like how how much of the struggle do you feel like I don't want to be disrespectful because I'm lucky to have a job. But creatively, I really kind of feel like I've done this guy and I want to go do other stuff.
1: Well, it's hard for people to relate to, you know, people that have normal everyday struggles, you know, when they listen to actors complain about getting paid so much. Right having such terrific lives and how hard it is for them yeah.
3: <laughs> so they did not have the cut of meat at the <laughs> lunch truck anymore and I just yeah. couldn't
1: take it right so it's uh, you, you get it you get it it's 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 ultimately it's not a hard life but if but if you chose a creative path in life and you chose to be an actor you chose to be a creative person that's really what you chose to do at least in my case I didn't choose to be on one show that wasn't like my dream that wasn't what i got into it for i didn't i didn't think oh i want to get on a tv show that'll run till i croak you know so i i chose to a creative life and at a certain point after after seven years i think i started to feel a little less creative you know and and um i just thought it was fair at that point to say hey let's all take stock right now and you know we all said this is too hard to do even 5 years let's let's quit after 5 you know but no we kept going Then it was like no end in sight and i was like well you know if i really am if i really have my integrity and i say i'm a creative person there should be no amount of money that should lure me back in a way i should really go off and do, see what else is out there for me that was really my thinking at that point cuz you've also directed and you yeah. i know you it's, released an album yeah, too yeah it's right? not really But you know, I realize how, from the outside in, it can look disrespectful or ungrateful. But and maybe it is. But I didn't feel that way. I just felt like I was being honest, and I felt like hmm, at that point I felt like, well, we're going to do the movies. You know, that was always the idea. We're going to continue on and do X Files movies. So I didn't feel like I was killing the show. You know, I think I would have felt different if I thought I was killing the show. Um, But I thought, oh, you know, we all said we're going to stop the show at some point and do movies. So that was kind of my thinking at that point.
3: Yeah, and at this point, you know, twenty some years in, I've only seen the first episode. I'm going to watch. I, but yeah. thankfully, uh, Fox sent me. Uh, they sent me all six of them. <laughs> um, but uh, that's what my
1: professor sounded like more.
3: <laughs> I mean. That was that was a better professor. Excellent
1: point on the petrol. Wait a minute, where am I again? <laughs> Where's people need to where see? Where's Duchovny?
3: Where's Duchovny? We have to give him this doctorate. We, he's, 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 he never showed up for
1: it. I'd have
0: gotten it just for the alliteration of Dr. Ducoubony. Dr. David so. DuCoven. That's fucking... Triple,
1: that's... D. triple D. Triple D. Triple D's a triple threat. That, that would have been... Uh, I, I kind of wanted to see it in the credits. Just... Starring Dr. D'Acopne. <laughs> that would have been so amazing. Uh, yeah. That would have been so amazing. Or just amazing. David Duchovny, PhD. PhD.
3: <laughs> what? <laughs> he's a, are you fucking
1: kidding? But she's, the, yeah, I know. He's a Didn't doctor. I see him in a Speedo and a orange juice commercial? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's he's what got his, a Ph.D. that was his dissertation. Like, what that was, what the his, fuck is wrong with him?
3: <laughs> that was the orals. What if you went into the orals in the bathing suit and you're like, <laughs> listen, I could talk about poetry or I could just dance.
1: <laughs> Maybe
0: it's so weird they would go, okay, well, that's
1: artistic I thought maybe I could... could,
0: Gentlemen, if you allow me to, have fun with it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Can I have fun with these orals? (laughs) Just have fun. Maestro, please. (laughs) Just
3: have a good time. Listen, I don't... Lay down a beat. I'm going to pitch you a crazy idea, all right? Here's my crazy... You want to talk about reboots? Yeah. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with the Rodney Dangerfield 1987 vehicle, Back to School. Mm -hmm. Rodney Dangerfield is a millionaire... Who goes back to school to get his education because his son's there and he wants to... Okay. 2016.
1: Back to graduate
3: school. David Duchovny goes back to graduate school. You make the movie. Now you're a rich and famous actor. It's more of a
1: reality show, isn't it? It's a hybrid. You're
3: actually getting your PhD (laughs) while making this broad back-to-college comedy. Now... Yeah. I know you're very excited about this. I am. Fresh off the Hollywood Walk of Fame.
1: I'm making his serious face right now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> do you have you ever thought about writing yourself into just like the most opposite type of thing that you could think of for yourself just to do it?
1: Um you know, I I think uh I don't know, I think of parts as being whatever whatever they're going to be creatively are they challenging stuff like that but i don't think like willfully i, I don't have like a plan of how i'm going to be perceived in a way that way so i don't think that i i don't think that i would have i think if, if it was i mean i'm i guess i'm giving you a sincere answer to maybe a question that wasn't sincere, no please but i don't know i mean i i think it would have to do uh if i thought the role would be interesting to play in a way but um i don't think of it in terms of like oh that's going to be so weird for people that know me from this or from that because I don't walk around with that perception in my head of myself. I just kind of walk around unconscious, right? Like most people. So Yeah.
3: <laughs> just figuring out how to get to the next. Exactly. I got to stand over there yeah. and I do this and I get home and take yeah. a nap and...
1: So it, I've never really had had like a career uh like an overview. I don't have one of those uh I don't have that gene. Uh do you know if Manson has seen Aquarius? I sure hope so. <laughs> Uh, our numbers don't reflect it.
0: Uh, well, he watched them all online when they first yeah, came out. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then
1: they complained that there weren't enough people watching on TV. Well, I well, uh, think Manson has a Nielsen box. It's the
3: craziest thing. Uh,
1: I, I think he likes um, The Voice, I believe. Yeah, uh, uh, I think he was kind of hoping that we were going to be after the voice. Well, he's
0: really into the whole Blake
1: and loves it. the
3: money thing. <laughs> Which <laughs> can. yeah, he was he's very like... happy. I know he's specifically upset about all the stuff with Gwen and uh, yeah. and, uh, and Gavin. Gavin, yeah, Gavin sure. Rossdale. Well, you know, he it, loves Bush. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Race and Play his favorite album. <laughs> <laughs> Good pull.
1: Yeah. I like. I think Bush is a good band. They are a great band. Yeah, it doesn't mean
0: Charles, Charles Manson has a history of liking good music.
1: Well, <laughs> I mean, he does. He does, and and he's a musician. Yeah, and uh, actually, in in this in both our first two seasons, when we're shooting now, a lot of his storyline has to do with him trying to break into the music business. Oh wow! And become a bigger than the beatles that was the idea he was going to be bigger than the beatles we just uh, didn't know exactly how he. yeah in a way out. i mean i guess you know <laughs> right as a solo act
3: <laughs> <laughs> no he had a group <laughs> yeah
1: that's true so um there's a lot of music around the show and and some original manson music i believe is is in the show certainly the, the lyrics uh, cease to exist as one song wow the beach boys recorded a song of his but uh didn't give him credit, and that was, you know, that that's kind of uh, ballsy if you take a Manson song and he's like, "No, you can't have credit." That's for. mine. <laughs> hey.
3: I'm just gonna pretend that he's uh, walking around a jail cell, going, "Got a machine head," like he's just <laughs> singing
1: <more> songs <laughs> all day long. But I think uh, Guns and Roses or Axl Rose did a cover of a Manson song. That um, sounds right. Yeah, uh, years ago. You're nodding. Oh, that's look at you. We have look at Your Game Girl, in the show. Oh, that's we, we awesome. The Manson character singing that well look at your game girl that's that's such a set That's such a yeah Yeah,
3: yeah. i feel like you could get i feel like you could make a song like it sounds like a like an r&b slow jam it does it does that's probably where he should have look at your game girl yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) opening for boys to men charles manson god God, i hope he never gets out we're so dead i don't think he's i don't think he's gonna I i feel like he's not coming out he's probably yeah I feel like for the swastika on the forehead alone, they'd be like, yeah, you should probably not. Mm,
1: Slap on the wrist. (laughs) He learned his lesson. (laughs) No, I don't know. Good
0: of you to do that in a mirror
1: so it looks right. Yeah, it was pretty, it was talented. (laughs) I would have gotten it wrong. I would have gotten it backwards. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I just fucked this whole forehead thing
3: up. Forgot to account for the reflection. It's like now red I'm, rum. Now I'm just red a
0: rum. Buddhist symbol for peace. Yeah,
3: <laughs> man, that's the opposite of what I was trying to say. No one's going to take me seriously.
1: Well, what is it with the, with the tails? Is it? Yeah, that's the Buddhist symbol, right? Right. Yeah. With, with the the tails yeah. on it. Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: Breathe in. Breathe out.
1: <laughs> that's not a
0: raidable suitcase, guys. You want swallowed or?
3: Uh... <laughs> I had no idea what a bush aficionado you turned out to be. Listen, I was around in the '90s, guys. I was no. too, but I don't. I was. I remember when they came out. Colle- like, oh.
1: Collective Soul? I wasn't into Collective no. Soul. No. Me neither. <laughs> no. <laughs> it, was a, it was just a name I remembered. I <laughs> had, had that a... one, so they go, yeah. <laughs>
4: yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
3: Today, Dave Matthews man a...
0: announced the new tour dates this year, guys. Sorry. No. It, I'm really
3: yeah, excited he's shaking about shaking his head. 25th anniversary. You. You. David, you were going to say something important. <laughs>
1: <laughs> is, is it a reboot?
3: No, no, no. Same people. Uh, a friend of mine
1: used to uh, is actually my assistant up in Vancouver. He was very funny. And he, he his answering machine. It was the who's the lead singer Metallica? H- James Hetfield. James Hetfield. He would, he his was like the James Hetfield answering machine. We go like uh, he go hello. <laughs> Leave a message <laughs> after the tone. <laughs> I'll get back to you when I can. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if this Love is. I hip don't hip know hip. if this is
3: true. I wish I had asked them when they were on. There was a. There was a. I heard this story about how maybe there's a recording of it on YouTube. But you know, he goes yeah, yeah, a lot in the song. <laughs> yeah. and the producer was like. Hey, James, you want to try mixing it up a little have bit? Have fun with to it. To have fun with it. Yeah, basically gave him a have fun with it moment. <laughs> yeah. So we just uh, so he's in the song, he's like, I don't know. woman, is that better? You know, like, <laughs> like uh, okay, just go back. Oh, is that for I'm, real? That's, that's, about, that's a for real story that I heard. It, I don't know if it's for real, but it's an urban legend. If it exists, it's online. Woman. If it exists, yeah. it is online. Woman.
0: Although maybe not. It's Metallica. They tend yeah. to pull a lot of stuff offline. We
3: don't know. But I do. Uh, we have we have trapped you here for over an hour, and I want to th- I want to thank. Turn you
1: the for- page. Great cover by uh, yes. by Metallica. Yes. Turn the page. Yeah. yeah. Garage
0: Inc. Every yeah. yeah. garage inc was the name of that record. Yes. Yeah. You are a full. Of- yeah, he's a '90s guy. Guys, I've been there. You know. He, Matt, he Matt can there. tell you anything
1: about Star Trek. Sure Star can. Trek: The Next Generation. Yeah. Oh, James Bond. I can yeah. I can I can do pretty well with the original Star Trek. Really? If you want to ask me? I will stay here. You ask me three questions that you think are middling to difficult.
0: Middling to difficult. Okay. What was Scotty? Not like Ben well, Stiller. Right, so. right, right. What was Scotty's rank? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I got an easier one. <laughs> That's bullshit. <laughs>
3: I got an easier one. So on the on the planet where they were forcing the crew members to fight, what was the currency that they were using to place bets? Quatlus. Yes! <laughs> that's a much we easier actually, one.
1: We actually used Quatlus on Californication. Oh, you did? I was like, oh, no, that's too many Quatlus. <laughs> 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 something that was expensive. I remember there was a scene with my daughter, and she came out with a dress. How many Quatlus is that? <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's fantastic. Okay, that's two. You got a third one? Uh, uh
1: Make it, you know, make it stuff from from an episode, sure. not like what was Scotty's rank. I mean, he's commander. What was he? he? Commander. By the end, or during the during over? the during the run, and he wh- was third
0: in command. <laughs> okay. With Kirk and Spock are it's on like the Secretary planet. Secretary of State. I mean, I mean come on, <laughs> Scotty's in control. <laughs> Scotty's data. Yeah. Uh, let's see something.
1: Dilithium crystals. Dilithium crystals, yep, sure.
0: That's an easy one. Everyone knows
3: uh, Hey, were
1: in the show last night. Unobtainium, huh?
0: Unobtainium! Uh, so good. That's bullshit. What is that? What is that? Uh, <laughs> what is it called when Vulcans have to mate Bonk
1: every far.
0: seven years? Yes!
3: There he is. I answer there that before you finish there the question.
0: There he is.
3: Vulcan puberty. <laughs> it's very volatile. Oof. It's the only time they're really, what, really okay, emotional. What does
1: the old lady say when she wants it over with already? Stop fighting.
3: Oh, I don't Stump. Troika. Uh, Matt, he got, he got you.
0: me.
1: He got What's me. What's the drink that that little little baby, all powerful baby guy? Oh, Ron Howard's
0: brother, Clint yeah. Howard. Clint Howard. <laughs> what does
1: he drink? Is it all debt? No, he, he has like he toasts them at the end. He's right. like, ah, <laughs> I don't remember either. God damn it! Uh, what is the name of, of the big lizard creature? The Gorn. Yeah, it was easy, that's right? It's easy. too easy, was easy. <laughs> <laughs> was very I easy. love watching you guys bond over <laughs> Star Trek. This is delightful. <laughs> give me give me one more. Give
3: me one more. Uh, I'm feeling good. What,
0: okay. what what All right, here's one. What uh,
1: what it is the Nerdist.
3: What, yeah. what,
1: what class? I can't prepare it. Was? I studied last night. You
3: did a very good job. I'm going to give you a
0: PhD at the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> what class of starship was the Enterprise?
3: <laughs>
1: no, you see, look, you didn't learn your lesson.
0: <laughs> it's said many I'm times. I'm not into the military. It's on a I'm not it's into It's a galaxy class starship. Nope, that's the D. The D is a galaxy class. The Enterprise is a Hold on.
1: Hold on. It's a starship. Yeah, it is a starship. Starship Enterprise.
0: Yes, but it is a class of starship. D? <laughs> <laughs> I
1: don't know. It's
0: a constitution class.
3: Um, nah, he wants a question about an episode. Yes. Yes.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, Going with all this military shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> military shit. Uh, God, I'm trying to think of one that's like
1: decently. Bonk, bonk on the head. Oh, okay.
0: What is the (laughs) name of the grain in The Trouble with Tribbles? Yes, I know that. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Duchovny is going into a trance-like
3: state. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Quadro criticalium. So close. Quadro criticalium.
0: You're you're transposing some (laughs) letters here. Quadro? Quadro. Give it to me. Quadro Triticale. Oh, but you know what? was <laughs> so good. I gotta give it to him. I gotta give it to him. He's gonna thank get you. the PhD. you. Because, you know, if the closed captioning people petrol. were writing it out, petrol. Petrol. They they you're gonna... You're, that. Made petrol you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that made up for the petrol <laughs> thing.
3: Yeah. That made up for the petrol thing. And also, oddly enough, someone today just emailed me a thing of... Uh, all. All the times Vince Gilligan put references to X Files and Breaking Bad. There's Morley. C- I never get to break out my Vince
1: Gilligan impersonation. It's, it's nobody knows how good that.
3: Well, is. thanks, David. It's really great. To, it's really great to be Vince Gilligan.
1: That that is very good. He uh,
3: but the the Morley cigarettes and all that, like just yeah. rampant through through Breaking Bad. Yeah. So you are also connected to that show.
1: Yeah. Well, Bryan Cranston came and he did an episode called Drive. Uh, where and this is before Malcolm in the Middle, mm. so uh, I don't know where he got Brian from, but I just auditioned for the part, I guess, and and Vince had written that episode, so uh. I guess that's where Brian and Vince first met. Yeah, I
3: think that's where they first met. Brian had been around for a long time. Yes. Just, oh yeah, it's like kind of failed sitcom right. fail, and there's like oh, you know, if you're around, if you if you work hard and you're not around true. long enough, not and... true.
1: Brian is the exception. Yeah, you know, that really doesn't happen. It's pretty amazing the career that he's found. Yeah. You know, so you can say like keep keep at it, keep at it, but it's it's really it's 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 the exception to the rule that a guy makes it at that age after, you know. So it's it's quite an amazing thing he's done. But but then Malcolm in the Middle came and then you know his career is kind, his career is very interesting. He's been he's yeah. been totally in very different pieces. He's quite quite extraordinary.
3: Yeah, and I think, you know, Every time stuff like that happens, and people, it just sort of widens the scope of the industry to not put people in boxes and go. Oh, this person who did a broad comedy could now maybe do a really Again, serious you drama. Th- you
1: would think, but I think with television now that happens because people get to get to go out and they they do these. They can really stretch out in in cable, yeah, and and, and take chances. Um, whereas in movies it, there's so much money riding on just one shot that people tend more to go over sure things because you know you don't you don't you don't get another shot yeah. in a movie
3: or you do six you do six episodes of X-Files and
1: how many Quatler's did they pay <laughs> yeah, they, they, they paid me in Quatler's. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: well, thank you for oh, being here right now. <laughs> 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 ha- half in Qualus, half in Bitcoin.
3: Oh, oh, you're fine then. Yeah, yeah you're oh, you're totally okay. fine.
1: It's going to be great. I'm
3: okay. Well, enjoy your burrito everyone. Thank you David and right. company for thank being you. here. Congratulations. Right.
1: Thanks.
4: Now leaving nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. <laughs>